0: Shotgun snap, final play of the game. Ron waiting for the White to get downfield. Launches the throw down toward the goal line, going up. Ball tipped well in the air. Ball caught! Touchdown! Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest! Oh, baby! Back to throw is Martinez, now being chased, throws it out, a flat, Birkin makes a catch, Simpson
1: tackle, 25-20, 15-10, 20, 5, Rex Birkin, touchdown, a rescue! And- up everybody thanks for joining us here tonight on church of the corn we got the two fabulous dickheads also known as fitz and drake how are you boys doing tonight
0: well hey i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and say i take offense to that right now don't care Uh, how are you doing (laughs) uh i'm hurting i'm hurting uh i am over on parlays for the weekend i have missed one in each parlay today unfortunately was the bills Yesterday was the Chiefs over. Oh, and, yeah, good good timing, Drake. And the Xavier. I miss Xavier. They didn't cover the spread either. So uh and I lost a lot of keynote yesterday. It's been a rough weekend on the gambling circuit.
1: God, you degenerate. Fitz, how are you doing? I guess good, you got good. anything better than that? I just won twelve hundred
2: dollars uh on the on the blocked uh PAT, so that was good. So no, you didn't. I lost I lost <laughs> six because of the miss, but I, I gained uh 1194 on the block it was blocked you (laughs) sons of
1: you know maher and drake have a lot in common neither one of them can make shit happen on the weekend also we are joined by our fabulous guest from husker online and on three recruiting extraordinaire brian munson how are you doing tonight brian
3: uh well, I mean, I, I like I was kidding offline, I said I, I was going to go diving for a black sweatshirt and the black veil and, you know, the funeral procession, you know, doing the thing going out. And I just grabbed the black hat like that and called it good. So I, I watched, uh, I don't know, that, that was like, if I could ask you guys this, and maybe maybe your listeners can come back and tell us this, when's the last time Josh Allen didn't throw a touchdown pass in the game? Against I, Nebraska
0: um.
2: when he played for Wyoming. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think he might have thrown one that game, but he also threw four picks.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then was... Nate Nate Jerry hands him the ball, which was just amazing. Yeah.
0: You know, Brian, the biggest problem is the Bills just don't have enough Huskers running around out there. Um, I, you know, totally you got Zach Taylor, agree. Zach Taylor, Stanley Morgan, Cam Taylor, Britt, they all showed up today.
3: I, I I feel like Buffalo has several issues, and I felt like they had all started to kind of culminate following the loss in, in Miami. And at Miami, they started to rear their real, their ugly head very, very quickly. I felt like um, I don't feel like Leslie Fra- Frazier is going to elevate this team any further, any, uh, and somebody else got to come in there and get a, get a fresh look at things. And I don't think Ken Dorsey's the right answer. I think that things that since dabble had left for to go to the, G- the Giants, I think things have taken a step back and they obviously have been pushed around all season long on the line of scrimmage. And I put down on, on my last tweet. I was like, "They just need to use all their draft picks and just draft linemen on both sides of the football." I mean, it is it's 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 bad.
2: And I well, piggybacked on that and there. said that that is what Nebraska needs to do and is probably doing so well. Exactly. <laughs> um,
0: a couple a couple of things there to under. It sounds like Ken Dorsey's got one foot out the door, anyways. Um, he was interviewing this week uh, as a fellow AFC East fan. Uh, What do you make of the reports this week that with Bill O'Brien going back to New England, Tom Brady might come back? Uh, Is there any truth to the smoke for my Patriots?
3: I I would say, never never say never. I mean, I think that Brady's world has been completely flipped upside down. Um, Privately, publicly, everything. And um,
0: I mean, he got a new model. Yeah, he, well, got a young, he got a younger, younger. He got to twenty. To he, got to 23. he got to
2: twenty three. He got to twenty three. Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. I, I I guess I guess when I saw him walking off the field last week, I did not think he was done because I didn't feel like in my heart of hearts, Tom Brady would ever leave the game like that, and I just no. never felt like we would we we. I didn't feel like we had seen the last chapter of it yet. Whether it means he's back up in Foxborough next year, I mean the AFC East. I mean the Jets are. Really, a couple guys away. I liked Mike White as the season went along. Uh, Obviously, there's some talent down there in South Beach. That Buffalo has to get their their crap together. Um, And New England, honestly, I mean, between Judon, is it Judon? Is that the linebacker that they they got? Mm -hmm. Um, They've got a lot of talent, and they've always gotten away with these really like (sighs) under the under the radar kind of evaluated guys that they're looking for. That that they they've got something that they like and certain dudes and um, they tend, they tend to load up on those guys and they're not really the highest rated or whatever. So um, they, they tend to do well with, with, with guys that, that they seem like nobody else really wants them until after they're all pro.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you got Brady and Edelman is two, two of the pinnacles there. Right. So, um, and I think, I think until new England starts spending money at wide receiver and offensive line they're going to have a lot of problems it doesn't matter who's the quarterback anymore how many times can you find an Edelman
3: I I don't disagree with you either I I I think that that position is becoming you know it's 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 really premier you got I mean if you look at what happened tonight with Cincinnati I mean between between Higgins and Chase they've also got Boyd they've got two tight ends they got five guys right there right and they got plus they got Mixon. And if you're looking at San Francisco right now, between Ayuk and, and Samuel and, and Kittle, you know they've got they've got three or four guys. Buffalo's got three or four guys. Uh, Dallas has got a couple, three guys. I just I, I I I see I I see these corners. I think New England has traditionally cut because they have had this amazing signal caller under center. And it's it's helped kind of allow them to kind of take those take those chances and do that stuff, but they, they've they've needed to kind of get back to it and uh, start building their team more traditionally, and not have when they don't have the goat anymore.
0: For sure, for sure. Well, Zach, your Eagles look good. Um, I God mean, they right obviously they played the, they played the Iowa School for the Deaf and the Blind last night. No, so no, 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 no. too no. much. You know what? Everyone said fuggles, that the Giants the were going to give them a, a, a
1: problem, so I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> Best team in the playoffs right now are the Eagles.
0: Oh, going away. All right, all right. I'll I'll give you that for now. I mean, we'll see how we'll the see numbers how the say 49ers what they are.
2: Okay, but to, for people comparing Jalen Hurts coming back and comparing him to Jordan coming back and playing after it's an injury or something like that, it's the
1: flu like, game. Like, get man. over yourselves. That's his flu game. Get over yourselves. It's his throwing shoulder.
0: I the only reason I hope the only reason I hope the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl, and this is hundred percent honesty. Zach, I can I cannot I cannot stand watching somebody eat horse shit off the street again. It'll make me sick to my stomach. You don't I have can't to do watch it.
1: it, that's a choice. No, when it
0: shows up all over Twitter and ESPN, you can't miss it. Hey, when you watch it it a thousand times, that's a you
1: problem, not a me problem. You will send it to him every day, morning, noon, and night. It'll be me doing it. I don't care. (laughs) That'll be two in my lifetime, and I'm happy about that.
0: All right. Well, let's let's jump into some stuff that actually matters. Uh, Obviously not the Eagles. Brian, uh, it's been a while
3: since we talked to you. Update us on the latest documentaries. <laughs> you know, uh, honestly, um, I'm kind of still flailing around looking for some. I, I I had never watched I'd never watched Peaky Blinders before, so Lord I started. Oh, so good, so, so I good. Start, I started Peaky. We're we're th- we're through season one. My wife and I loved it. We've also we've also we're also through about four or five episodes, maybe three episodes of Kaleidoscope. The one on on uh, Netflix. Yeah, that was,
2: how, is, like, how is that? I never, I haven't started it yet, but I.
3: It, it does it does a Tarantino thing, and there's a couple of places out there, like on Reddit and whatever, they tell you, like, look, if you want to, if you want to watch it sequen- sequentially, you want to do it in these colors. Okay. If you want to do it like this way, it's like this great random thing, whatever. We just let it. We just let Netflix take us on whatever path it wanted to take us.
2: Yeah. Um, I love I, the choose your own adventure style. That's like. And now Brian and I can understand those books that we get from the library and those were fantastic. <laughs> you get done with the chapter and you're like keep going or turn to page sixty seven and and turn, go the story this way. So
3: Yeah, I always look for those for those books too, like during reading time <laughs> where that where the teacher said you, you guys need to go over and read a book. And then I knew the right the right things to do to like die the quickest so i could like die in the book and go i'm done <laughs> like this and just you know just <laughs> say, i'm out i died you know it's like oregon, oregon trail i had dysentery dysentery I, yeah I was going, <laughs> that was the exact okay. same thought in my head
0: so i can't i can't remember the name of the group but they do the netflix documentaries on sports they did like the manti teo one oh um, yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah
0: but the the last one i watched was phenomenal. And it was the Tim Donahue one on the NBA, the, the official's had What, what were your thoughts on that one?
3: Pretty fascinating. Um, I, I guess that, you know, there's, there's some things there about the uh, NBA that I've not felt had been right, but I mean, I felt like, um, uh, you know, them kind of, uh, getting more involved there and, and hedging, you know, uh, shaving points, you know, based on, you know, making it certain calls, you know, they were, they would go along with guidelines or whatever. And then they would, and they would kind of overemphasize. And then they they said that they could go ahead and do this and get, make sure the win happened. I I don't know. It it makes you, it makes you really wonder about everything. I'm, and I'm watching the NFC divisional game here right now. Um, everything having kind of a WWE kind of a uh, feel to it, you know, with mm-hmm. what, with how, how, how impactful <clears throat> those folks can be when it comes to emphasizing one thing. And you, then you see it over and over and over again, or against your yeah. team or whatever.
0: Well, I mean, you go back to the early 2000s Lakers King series, the oh. foul on Vladi out of bounds, right? Oh. Where Vladi Divac gets tackled out of bounds and he gets called for his fifth foul. Like, just some things like that um yeah I don't I don't want to sit here and say that it's rigged but some of the things Donahue said in that documentary where he was like you know so and so didn't really get punished by the NBA we had him that night we called up the official that he had an issue with and said hey we got you and they called Allen Iverson for like five carries in the first the quarter.
3: Chair, yeah. <clears throat> Yep.
0: Um I, I, I could that, see that being more more frequent throughout the league.
3: You know what's really interesting about that was that um <clears throat> the New York Mets, uh Philadelphia Phillies where they were mic'd up and they went after Chase Sutley with the uh the violent slide at second base so they don't suspend him. Then then I think it was uh DeGrome took a took a shot at him, threw one behind mm-hmm. his ear or whatever, and they, they, they threw him and then hearing the dialogue there. Uh, was very very interesting, uh, especially after having watched the Denne- the Dennehy special, the Dennehy documentary. Yeah. So, it's um, I, I I think about stuff like that. Then I think about well, you could just be bad at your job, like Angel Hernandez, and then there's really nothing else that you can you know you have to say yeah. because that guy's just terrible. But um, yeah, I thought that was so, a really that was thought that was a really interesting thing. The other documentary, I guess I'll, I'll say it really quick. I think I told you guys this before, but I have watched it, I think, three times since because I think I, f- I pick up on something new each and every time. Tom Petty? I'm I'm, no, I'm still watching the Go-Go's. Um, yeah. <clears throat> there's really been some fascinating things like watching them about how they kind of came up and how they kind of changed paths from from basically punk rock to pop rock and how they kind of went about creating their songs and slowing them down. They were all pop songs. And uh, there's uh, there, I, I think Sneaky, E, like they're they would be in my 80s favorite bands kind of list i think it's it's kind of yeah. it's kind of an odd one because i just think about think back to about four or five of their songs just going god that was some that was some really really good stuff
2: can i ask you and then we'll we'll get away from this stuff because i know zach is just annoyed as all get out right now <laughs> i'm but, watching the game okay <laughs> did did you uh had you seen the cbgb film the the it's not a documentary, but it's the film, um, and it just kind of shows the with Blondie and how the uh, the police kind of got their start there too, and the Ramones and all. It's a good film. It's a it's worth the watch because the the music, so that punk rock scene and the the Go Go's yeah. just kind of remind mm-hmm. me of that.
3: I watched I, I watched the I thought it was more of a documentary. I think it was less of a movie. Um, in all honesty, too, I think um, you know I don't know if I told you guys this, but. I, I, obviously, CBGB is the first time it's come up. But the, but the last time I was in New York City with my wife, we literally got off of the the subway station, and I said, "You know, I go. I think we're pretty close to where CBGB is kind of at." And then we kind of went over and caught this street, and then went up the road. And, and obviously, those it's like it's like Vegas. You're you're never you're never doing a good thing if you're walking. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's it's obviously it's no longer there. It's like an attorney's office. Yeah, so I thought that that yeah. was really ironic that, that they were now practicing law, you know, where Blondie and the Ramones and the police and everybody else was kind of discovered. So I just wonder what that place looked like, you know, when it was really buzzing back in the 80s. That would have been really badass to see. But yeah, it was total letdown, like a super hot day walk. And we're like, OK, this sucked. Get a cab like we're out of here.
2: So was there any markings towards like Hilly who owned it or anything like that? And just nothing,
3: nothing, no, okay. the over, the over, the awning was gone. Everything. Oh, wow. Gone. Yeah. It was, that's it was nice. completely and totally, uh, renovated from the front. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was very disappointing. Cause my, my other CBGB shirt had just kind of completely fallen apart. So I'm, I'm still without another CBGB shirt.
2: Well, at least on the West coast, we still have the whiskey go-go to where, and that's still, I think alive and kicking and, Kind of a cool I have no idea what you guys there. are talking about anymore.
0: Oh, no.
3: my gosh, really? And, and, like, the Rainbow Room and the Troubadour? Yeah, Rainbow all and that. Yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the good stuff right there.
0: <laughs> hey, Zach, I got something I want to get your opinion on. I know you're watching the game. Uh, <laughs> yesterday, yesterday they kind of released uh, a mock-up of a potential alternate jersey this year for Nebraska with blue <gasps> number outlines.
1: I didn't see it. I didn't we, see that
3: either.
0: Okay, I, I will tweet it out to all of you guys. It so gave but, me it, – it reminded me of the Washington Sentinels from the replacements.
2: That was a great tweet, by the way. Hmm.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Nobody else really got it. I, I'm offended. Um, most the outline of the movie. number
2: was, was it?
0: Yeah, exactly. What what are your thoughts on those? I, I don't think we should go with those. But apparently so, we wore those the first time we beat Oklahoma.
2: Okay, so did you – In like you 1924 the- – did you follow that? That there was it was a courtesy to the Sooners because of the uh, the same you know the uh, the maroon, the scarlet, all of that stuff. And so, as a courtesy, they put that outline on there just to differentiate the numbers. But um, the only the only if somebody were to yeah, find a way a to, to tell me that because of the Memorial Stadium, right? what it, mm-hmm. what it actually means and why it's named that way. I could buy into that, you know, USA freedom, all of that stuff, but yeah. it just doesn't, it didn't look, it, it, I don't know. It didn't look commemorative. It didn't look like if they want to go that way, then let's bring back the four foot wide shoulder pads, neck rolls, thigh pads that that are you know, that look like roasts. It just, let's <laughs> the just bolt, go. The bowl ring. Yeah. Just go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just go with it. So I don't know.
3: Absolutely. I'm looking for your tweet now.
0: I'm I'm am i I'm sending it to you right now direct, Brian.
3: Alright, I have to check that out. Aaron
0: Sorensen tweeted it tweeted it out, but I'll send it to you guys.
3: I think I would I, I, I'm actually pretty astonished that um well I'm trying to think now. Other than red, white and black, I don't know if I would have ever guessed that there was another color on a Nebraska helmet before. Unless I'm missing one of the recent alternatives, did they no, even? It, have...
0: This is from like 1924 originally.
3: Wow. Okay. Oh, I just um, see it came through.
0: Yeah, take a look at it. Um, but Brian, while you're looking at that, oh, we got a little fits here. You're muted, so we can't hear him. Um, technology is hard sometimes. Brian, hey Zach, look at that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Zach it's watches great. his mouth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you, buddy.
0: Uh, Brian, huge recruiting weekend. Anything that you have heard that we should be on the lookout for, or anybody that you think is leaning to committing sometime this week that came in?
3: Yeah, Mount, yeah. Mount Hood. Uh, yeah, Mount Hood. Mount Hood. That's a good one, because I just put up an update on that one, um, probably about the time that everybody was kind of joining on here. So caught up with him. I mean, honestly, guys, I don't remember any other coaching staff prior to Rule using that night before as effectively as what he's doing it, because Hood got into Lincoln on Thursday night. He was literally calling me sitting on the plane at like 610. Um So he was, he was in Lincoln or in Nebraska at least for three days, but, um, you know, he, he is going to be making his decision here in the next 16, 17 hours. Um, so sometime tomorrow by about noon, uh, his time. So about 11 o'clock Lincoln time, local time, we should have, uh, we should have some news out of his shop, but I mean, he only visited Nebraska. He didn't go, he didn't, he didn't go, um, he didn't go to Ole Miss or, or take any other visits like like maybe he had thought or maybe he had kind of hoped. Uh, I think he sees tremendous opportunity at Nebraska. Um, I think that you know, basically the, the message that they conveyed was that everything was open. It was there for the taking, and they, and they want five guys. Hey, good Brett Maher. He just made a field goal. Um, hey, there we go. So I, I, think it's, I think that that's really trending pretty good Nebraska's way. Now, I, I've been trying to reach – so there's two other guys that were there today that were uncommitted then you had uh Jason uh Jason but, but I'm going to screw this up Mashashik. Mesh- oh,
2: from South Dakota
3: from South Dakota from Pierre yep. South Dakota and uh, you know I think he's he, he's he is firmly i think into playing defensive line now which I think is really interesting because he's got this really nice square body at like 6'3 320 um You could, you know, I think he bench presses. I think he does like 28 reps at 225. So, I mean, for for a kid doing that out of high school, that's that's pretty terrific. Um, You know, I I think that that's really kind of what the doctor ordered. You know, I I think they got to get a little bit more stout, and I think that they they were missing the boat after Walter Rouse had decommitted, and I think they missed the boat on not going after more of a true nose uh, to kind of help out. I don't know if it's, if it's Robinson or Hutmacher or whatever they're, they're, what, that they're seeing there, but I would have gone out there and tried to find a guy that's that's got a little bit more seasoning underneath him, seen it at a different place and can, can bring in some experiences and show those guys what to do. But uh, Meshachek, you know, he'll come in. I think he's going to play defensive line. I think Tony White and Coach Knighton had a chance to work in with Rayola being on the road in Hawaii recruiting right now. Um, so then you had Demetrius Bell. And he is really, really difficult to reach. Um, I'm hoping our national guy, Chad Simmons, can get a hold of him here in the next day or so. And then you had uh, Sua Lafito, uh, Sua Lafito Lafitu, um, another guy that's really, really difficult to reach. Uh, Greg Biggins does a great job for 24 7. Uh, and I and I don't feel bad giving him praise. I used to work with him. Uh, but he's got, you know, John Bosco just under his thumb in mm-hmm. most of the California high schools. So he's got a great competitive advantage. Although I, I have exchanged messages with Sua. I can prove it to people on my phone if that's what <laughs> they wanted to do. And I wasn't just cheating and following uh following Big and stuff, but um Sue has not gotten back to me yet today. And uh pretty sure he left fairly, fairly early this morning. So I, I, I don't know. I, the way I read his tweet, like one of his last tweets, it made it seem like we may not even know what he's going to do until February 1st. I, okay. I was a little bit confused. And I didn't even know who all the teams were that were like on his list of schools that he was still considering. I don't think they were all D1 um, or at least FBS. I, I, I thought maybe that you had some group of five teams and maybe even some one double A stuff. So, Is,
2: can I, Brian, can I jump in? Um, Bell. So he's from the same high school that um, Wager, 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 the tight ends coach, right? Is that correct? Or am I confused? Uh, no, guys? so
3: the Bell, Bell's, Bell's from uh, McGavock McGavoc, uh, High School in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Sorry. Know, Sorry. I was the two, the two guys you're talking about there are Jeremiah Charles and Isaiah Smith-Flores.
2: I, I was confusing Bell and Charles. That's for some no, reason. No, no. I don't it, know why I was.
3: It's really interesting. Close to the alphabet. From, Yeah, it's really interesting. We're still throwing around wide receivers names at all Um, because there's, there's just, I mean, between Castaneda getting him back and Betts getting him back and getting Kemp and, and, you know, and, and you've got Coleman, who obviously had a great Polynesian Bowl and you still got, you know, Jaden Doss and and you've got, you know, uh, other dudes, you know, you added Turner and you've got Lloyd Lloyd just Lloyd just ran like a, almost like a seven flat 60 meter today. So, I mean, there's, They've got some dudes, they got some speed coming in. It's just kind of odd that we're still talking about two more wide receivers. I I think that this is where people need to start putting and aligning the dots about where the most kind of the the biggest change is going to come post spring. I really feel like that wide receiver room is going to flip like a hundred percent. I mean, if it, if it hasn't like kind of already, um, And they had just been, I mean, I I think that those guys are kind of going to have to see the bigger picture. I don't know if they really feel like there's a a lot of speed there or or what they've gone out there and addressed it it, and addressed it in bunches, even with Joshua fleeks too. So I think that that's a, that's a room that there's going to be plenty of turnover to come here in the next, you know, four to five months.
2: Let me, I'm going to just quick transition over to Zach real quick. And you mentioned with the uh, South Dakota defensive lineman uh, coming in, he was visiting this weekend and, Number And we'll go back to Drake on this because they were showing off the all whites on the uniform. But, Zach, he talked about his reps of 28 at whatever the weight was. I can't remember what, what you said, Brian. 225. 225. But he had said in a some sort of an interview that he his goal was to get to 30. What does that mean? Like, what is that 28 at 225 or, and getting to 30 at 225? I know they do that in the combine, stuff like that. But for you – as that, you know, as a trainer and stuff like that, and I understand defensive line, holding their ground, push off, you know, stuff like that. What do you?
1: What does that do for that player? I mean, they've got endurance to be able to constantly, if you're playing on the defensive side of the ball, you can constantly get that, essentially have violent hands, move the offensive lineman back, around, down, kind of wherever you want them at that point. So whether it be offensive or defensive line, if he's able to do that at 18 years old, there's offensive linemen that go to the combine that couldn't do that. And it's just, it kind of is what it is. It does. It's not the make or break because honestly, I want to see how he moves instead. Um, you can get him stronger, but you can only make him move so much faster. He's a pretty yeah. fluid kid for his size. So, Which yeah. which
2: I'm wondering if it's interesting. They showed Teddy Prohaska doing the shuttle run and one of their challenges, they had that team compete this weekend and they showed Prohaska moving. And I know part of that's connected to his recovery and his knees and stuff like that but it really goes back to what Zach's been preaching for a long time is that just the mobility yep. and the dexterity and the uh, bending and all that stuff of our offensive linemen became, you know, statues trying to block, you know, Pac-Man ghosts. And it just wasn't, it, that's well, as yeah, simple I as mean, it could how many,
0: times, how many times have we said it? We, we got basketball players that put on weight. Um, we didn't get like, <laughs> there's a difference. There's a difference between a six, eight guy who naturally carries 330 pounds. And a guy that was 6'8, 280, two, eight, and you put on an extra 50, right? What like, about a
2: 5'8 guy that carries 330, just asking for a friend?
0: <laughs> um, you're you're not getting a lot done, period. Uh, let's just get that out of the
3: way. Um I, Brian. I, I, I think I Go just kinda just kinda of, kind of chime in there. <clears throat> I think Zach, you were you were kind of hitting on it for me too. And I think Drake and Fitz, you were dancing around it. <clears throat> I think that Nebraska hasn't done a and and look, this is really Hard for me to say because I, I know Zach Duvall personally. I've known Zach Duvall personally for a number of years, going back to college. Um, and, and I really wanted him to be successful, and, and I don't know really what <clears throat> what kind of happened there. But 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 from an outsider view, from a guy that's that's been there, a guy a guy that's that I still go lift every day, um, and and kind of recognizing things on the, on the football field, you can you can become disconnected uh, between the way that you're training. Um, you, you, you can, you can certainly, you can certainly say, well, I do upper body and I do lower body, but you've got to get through the connected exercises and you have to get through an application process of kind of putting those two things of strength together. Otherwise they may work in isolation, but they're never going to work in tandem. Um, and I, and I think that, you know, when you start looking at the body and, and you start looking at, you know, like a great lift, like deadlift and, and, and your, and your cleans and your RDLs and, and, and whatever, and you're looking at trying to find ways to, to, to treat your body more as a hinge, I really felt like Nebraska's guys had, had, a lot of the, a lot of lower and a lot of the top, a lot of the top, but not enough in here to kind of connect it all together. And 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 I, and I that that maybe is that maybe is a really bad assessment, but that's always been my view from the cheap seats. And, and for and for me too, from twenty eight to thirty, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit of more of a pound your chest kind of thing. But I, what I appreciate about a guy saying that because, like Zach had said. That's a very impressive mark for a kid, you know, 16, 17 years old to be to be hitting already. There's guys that are 23 that have been in systems for, for six, seven, eight years that can't do that. But what I like about that is that he's not resting and he wants to push himself for improvement as opposed to, you know, and it's like a huckmocker thing too, like walking in, you know, he the guy was the guy was already squatting the house. Well, let's go ahead and up it to an, an apartment building. Um, I mean, I think that that dude—you got to keep that carrot out there on the stick far enough to where you keep those guys motivated. Otherwise, you just keep coming into the room, and uh, you don't really have a lot more to work for because everybody else is still trying to catch you. Well, you still have got to try to keep being that example and keep pushing on that yeah. thing. But I, I, I think it's just tremendous that a guy's doing hitting that kind of number in high school. It's it's pretty unfathomable, fathomable, honestly. Yeah. Can Brian, I? Uh... I probably... Go ahead.
2: I was just going to ask um, with recruiting and uh, specifically Georgia. Um, I know there's a connection with, and I, I don't know uh, exactly which coach it is or the connection to Georgia with rule, right? Right. But is that the only reason that we're seeing a little bit of this um, Georgia Nebraska line? Just delete that. It was horrible. I get it, but um, the idea that all a couple, you know, we've got two already. Tight right. end. We've created right. a Georgia Pipe. Yeah. And you know, with the potential for hood, stuff like that. Is that the only reason with trust and rule, which big picture says, hey, that's awesome that other coaches see the value of rule and we're in a really good, really sure. good place. Or is it opportunity? Is it, you know, what what's that? What is is I guess long story short, what's going on there and why are we getting all these Georgia looks?
3: I think it is a multifaceted <clears throat> multifaceted number. I think the first one is obviously you've got to have a connection. You've got to have somebody's out there kind of looking, looking out for you and looking out for rule and, and, and what it is, you know, that Nebraska is trying to do there. Uh, I think that's number one, but I think number two, um, you know, I think that there's, those guys are screaming out, looking for some opportunity. Um, I think it, I think it does, it, it as as much as people think that the opportunity lies in, in the form of NIL, I think that one of the answers, of course, of now decommitted Walter Rouse, the offensive tackle that's now going to Oklahoma. I felt like his answer to me on that on that topic was so um, eye-opening. You know, NI opportunities are are weighing into that, but they're not they're not like the biggest part. The biggest part there is about the opportunity to, to, to get on the football field, the, to, the opportunity to go ahead and, and try to get to the next level. Um, I think that there's still those guys that are trying to hone their skills, trying to get enough film together to where they can they can turn their heads. But I think as you kind of flip it back to the perspective of the Nebraska coaching staff, I think Matt, real, Matt Rule has a real affinity for successful coaching programs and successful football programs that uh that their players are leaving because they know what it takes to be successful you, you cannot cut corners and go in national championships and back-to-back years i i think if you asked you know any of those 94 95 97 guys they, they would they would tell you that wouldn't be tolerated um and i think that, that there's a very similar uh set of kind of uh circumstances right now in athens georgia where, where they where they've got that same kind of uh, same kind of juice right now where they' where they're putting things together and I think that that's what rule really wants. I think rule rule wanted a guy like Joshua Fleeks because he knew what he knew what the culture you know needed to be and he brings in Joshua Fleeks and says, please help me implement this and oh by the way, I'm going to bring you in a really successful guy like Kemp. And, oh, by the way, we're going to bring in some offensive linemen like, like Ben Scott, and I'm going to get him a Georgia guy. And then we're going to flip to the other side of the football. Or, or then And add in Jeff Sims, too, who all, all the guys said he's a pro quarterback. And then you go to the other guy, and you get, you, get, you get Borders, and you get MJ, and you get uh, you know, uh, Collier, and you get all the other guys that were on the defensive side of the football in the transfer class. I really think he's addressed it by, based on it took a lot for those players to get considered by those SEC-style SEC teams. And um, and obviously they've gone on and, and played in those te- in those programs, and he wants to bring that in, and say, "I need you now to come help come help me rebuild this program and show people what it's going to be what it's going to take for us to be successful."
1: I know it's been a short amount of time since Rule's been really on the recruiting trail, but doesn't it seem like if they spot a weakness on the roster, no matter where it is, they do whatever they can to bring in an equally or much
3: more talented prospect yeah. at that spot. Yes, I don't think that that's a coincidence. It's almost like they're listening to your podcast or they're on Red Sea Scrolls or they're on Twitter, you know, all, all the stinking time. I, I think all of their pretty much all of their moves have been very predictable um, because I, I think that the I think the holes that they have seen um, have been very glaring. I think that, you know, from, from, what, from what was communicated to me, you know, they got an assessment from the previous staff. The previous staff kind of gave them a scouting report of all the players that are at that position. And those, and those coaches basically said, hey, like, hey, you know, this is this guy, blah, 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 goes through. You know, what's my take on it? Well, you know, he probably, you know, doesn't belong here, you know, or whatever, and kind of getting into all that all that kind of descriptive kind of stuff and I think that they were able to, to then kind of go in and then vet that one step further by talking to the kid and asking him about, Hey, what, what put you here? What, what, what got you to Nebraska? Tell me about your journey. And then they go back and look at the, the, the practice film themselves to make sure that everything that they're hearing and reading about this wasn't like a personal vendetta or something like that. So I, I I think that what they've been able to do is take that assessment and apply it and go out there and try to find, try to find those dudes. But, I, I think everywhere they have gone, safety, edge, OT, line in general, after the two quarterback surgeries, you know, quarterback, trying to find a number one wide receiver, because I think Kemp's going to be that number one guy, and, and, then, and then going after and trying to find, you know, a tight end. Like we haven't even mentioned Eric Gilbert. I kind of skipped over that, but – everything has been incredibly predictable. And as things have kind of gone on a like Vocalette going pro a hey, Casey and Logan having surgery. Hey, we got all three of the, of the rush guys are, are going, are, are leaving the program. Those have been the things that have kind of been, you know, been the stimulus for them to go ahead and get out there and get their noses in the, in the portal transfer. So I, I think that everything that they have been doing is exactly the way that that if you and I were doing it you know in more of a in a a game mode or whatever like recruiting and 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 all that stuff I think we've been doing it the exact same way that they're doing it
1: yeah I mean that's a great point so two players that we we you know we talked about Jacob Hood a little bit earlier but let's talk about MJ Sherman and Eric Gilbert do are you expecting those guys to have an immediate impact this year now Gilbert has to get his, his waiver cleared, but George right. said free and clear. They're, they're good on doing that. Those are, those guys have to be instant impact guys this year, right? Have
3: to be. Um, <clears throat> look, Sherman, Sherman and Gilbert, I think would almost be like one, two for being the top two most highly rated players I think ever to play for the university of Nebraska. Um, so I think that that kind of backs up that idea that they need to come in and be immediate guys. But I think you, you take a look at those spots and and you and you you can you can draw a lot of a lot of um, possibilities for how guys are going to kind of sit in the rooms and and you wonder how things are going to kind of work out between Mike and the two outside linebacker positions based on responsibilities and and you want to throw a lot of really athletic guys over there because I think that that's that's what I think we would all agree there was a there was kind of a step missing from there and particularly now when you take Hausman out of that equation you're now trying to upgrade and continually move forward with your, with bringing the athletes to that second level. Um, So I think that that's where borders and that's where Sherman kind of fit in, but with Gilbert, and I kind of said this, I can't remember if it was privately or if I said it in tunnel talk, but I've been talking about it quite a bit. I really feel like the person who's going to benefit the most from having Gilbert around is Fedoni. Fedoni is, is a tremendously talented and competitive kid and he is going to he is going to not he didn't need to have the weight of the world on his shoulders to become you know the the starting guy this spring he he needs to ease into it and he's probably going to need some people to help back himself off cuz i don't think he's going to i think i think he's the kind of guy that would have that would just run the wheels right off without knowing any better and unfortunately he's he's going to need to pace himself a little bit he's going to have to listen to his body somewhat um, but Eric Gilbert is a huge stopgap kind of player for for Fidoni, to where you could bring Gilbert in and say this is how we're going to do things. This was an SEC style tight end, so not saying that you're not talented, Thomas, but you know you need to watch him. And and, and we're gonna and we're gonna try to find a way to get both you guys on the field at the same time. If you feel like we're better if we can do something like that. Um, so yeah, I think Fidoni can really really benefit from having a guy like Gilbert around, but I think Gilbert and Sherman uh, have got to be instant impact guys for Nebraska.
2: Can you talk a little bit? Gilbert had a pretty successful freshman year, 10 games only at LSU, right? Was averaging like 32 yards a catch. Um, Sits out out the next season – personal, things like that. Now you're, you're, you're getting things on social media, you're hearing reports, you know, as long as he comes in and he can get with the program and everything off the field, stuff like that. Kind of, can you talk to whatever level you can kind of what is going on with, with that? Like, is it, was it grades? Was it, I don't know. It's because there's been so many questions that I've trying to been, I've been trying to figure out as well.
3: I don't have a clear understanding. I've heard people say that obviously he he he's dealing with some personal things, and and whether or not that that leads into depression or or some something else along those lines, I am not a hundred percent sure on all the things, of course, that he's battled. The, the good The good news is, is obviously, I think Nebraska and the support staff that are there with Matt Rule, um, they've seen this before. I mean, you got you've had Omar Manning now the last couple three years that that have been dealing with with similar issues, and and I think everybody knows that you know. Nobody knows what they're going through on a day-to-day basis, and, and the and the and the key there obviously is to is to um, allow them to kind of uh, get the type of support that they need to deal with those uh, those ongoing things. I don't think I I I for one could even imagine it. Could even imagine having having something like that, that 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 basically impacted me every day and everything it is that I did. Um, so I, I don't know for a hundred percent certain, all the things that he had been going through. I do feel like though, Nebraska has got a great support system that is going to be able to help him out. I don't think that Omar Manning, Omar Manning is like the, the shiny new example. I'm, I'm certain that Nebraska has had other players that have come through that, that have had similar type of issues, uh, that needed the same type of support. And I think it just, I think it just speaks to, um, Speak to those people and how great they are when you don't even know who it is that's kind of dealing with that because they're just handling those things away from the field.
2: When he's described hey. as a defensive end playing tight end slash wide receiver, like what does – I mean, just I don't want to – I don't – I, I drink Kool-Aid. Drake drinks, drinks the Kool-Aid. That's why we're Jack does it. That's why we're here. This is fun. But like legitimately, in your opinion, like what are the Huskers getting – in this player of Eric Gilbert. Like the dude looks like I was, they're showing like he had the best. I don't know if you want to go spark scores. He was the fastest at tight end. He, he was what the fifth overall ranked player in what the 2020 ranking stuff like, that. I mean, in the nation, I either tell me to sit down and just temper things down a little bit, or just, let's just go. What do we got here? <clears throat>
3: I think that what you got there is you have another guy that that we would we would look at side by side with Fedoni, and I, I don't know if you guys saw the pictures of Fedoni, you know, doing the uh, uh, the work that he was doing the community work, you know, over the weekend or the or Big. early on last week. Dude's put on some size. He's put on some size, and I don't know if you read Sean Callahan stuff from Tunnel Talk with Miles Paul not knowing who he was, but couldn't believe that that was a tight end. I think what you what you're <clears throat> I think what you what you kind of get when you see a line like a, tie, a a defensive end that plays a tight end position or could be kind of passing between that and the wide receiver, I, I think what you get there is you just have that 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 Alden Smith kind of freedom akamala dune, you know, super long frame that that could do either or. And was just such a it probably was this multi-sport kind of athlete that could have that could have done things. And and I think that it's just one of those things where you you, you probably more characterize players as defensive ends because I think it's more of a premier spot. It's 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 kind of getting there with you know, as I watch Kittle. And I watch Schultz, you know, right now in the game, and watch Dawson Knox before, and and the couple guys for Cincinnati. It, there's a couple guys that are that are premier kind of athlete guys when it comes to tight end, and and, there, and then there's more guys, however, that are just freaks from that defensive end side. And I think that that's still the spot where you would want to be compared more, even as an offensive guy, just because of what I think it means more across the board.
0: Hey, Brian, uh, got a couple of questions here from a follower. Uh, Let's do it. His name's Phil, Husker Pip on Twitter. Uh, He wants to know a couple of things. One, is there anything that the staff has done specifically in Texas that has impressed you? And we've seen kind of these pickups from the staff and recruiting from new staffs in the past, Riley in California, Frost in Florida. What do they have to do to keep the momentum in Texas or is it just going to kind of follow along the similar track where after a couple of years it starts to die down? Will Will having Wager and the other people that they brought in from Texas continue that effect and keep that momentum?
3: I think let's start with that second question first. The state of Texas, when it and, and I'll, I'll give you some background. Obviously, I live here been here for 24 years, had a son that played the game down here uh, up to the 2020 class. I covered Super Prep, uh, Texas Hot 100 for a number of years under Alan Wallace. And I will tell you the state of Texas, in my opinion, is different than the states of Florida and California. California, you know, and I I think we're kind of figuring out too that Florida too as well, They've got different pockets of players, I think, that have a different kind of mentality about leaving the state or going different places or locks to USC or more apt to go to, you know, Pac-12, but not, you know, not going to go to Colorado. They're going to go to Oregon or Oregon State. You kind of saw the similar things happen out of that that class with Nebraska was of the 2019 group where the guys were sneaking out in the middle of the night and flying back to Miami. You could, you could kind of see that line that was dividing between like Tampa and Orlando and say, don't go anywhere further South here because you, you've got this kind of um, you've got no way of retaining those kids or the, the retention rate is zero. But if you go North of this interstate chances are, you're typically going to get that in, in Texas based on how, I kind of judge, you know, the the players that have come out of Eastern, Western, Southern, you know, uh, the Golden Triangle, the Dallas area, et cetera. I could kind of go through and and give you examples of guys that came out of those different regions and, and how they went to Nebraska and how they stuck it out at Nebraska and i just don't feel like the players now it's it's a little bit of a different day and age with the portal transfers and 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 how those kids are looking at things a little bit differently now that that I, that, that may that may make this answer somewhat incorrect uh, not taking into consideration those things i don't think that those texas players are are have those they're, i don't think there's similar pockets like that anymore i think that there are kids that are here in texas that are destined to go to in-state schools. And I think that there are kids that are destined then to stay in state somehow. And I think that there are kids that are destined to leave. And I think it's, I think in in Texas, it it floats between it's sexy to stay. It's sexy to leave. And, and it is, it's really, it's really this revolving kind of door. You just got to figure out with where you're kind of at on it. And I think the other part to kind of remember is obviously is you've got 300 some odd kids that are going to sign, you know, between December and February out of the state of Texas. And if you're really looking at it as, you know, the top 150 ish, you know, should be players, of course, that I think Nebraska should be really focused on, you know, depending on what positions are kind of in there. Um, I think that those are, I think there's a lot of guys that, that would, that would be very interested in taking, you know, the chances of leaving the state when they don't get an Oklahoma, a Texas, an A&M, a Texas Tech, a Baylor, or an LSU to come look at them. I think they're saying then get me out of here and I want to go take a look at that great opportunity. Um, the, the the first part of the question, now that I have kind of ran over on that one, what was the first part of that question I forgot again.
0: Jess, is there anything that this staff has done to uh, surprise you so far?
3: Well, <laughs>
0: for me, it's social media. Uh, we saw, like, no social media from the last staff. Social media has been a big thing, I think, so
3: far. Coach Foley and where he was at last week up there in Nebraska was really pretty crazy. But then, Mer- you know, Garrett McGuire's been doing it. And Bob Wagger, eh, a little bit, kind of doing it, but I think I think Wagger's been needed to kind of finish up, um, help put the finishing touches on the 2023 class because of his two teammates or two guys that he, two players that came up there uh, this weekend in Flores uh, and and uh, Jeremiah. Um, so I, I think that or Charles. So I, I think that that's one of those things there that that, that he's been kind of needed to, to help out with finishing that up. I think Nebraska. Has always had a capability to hit Texas up, and it was in their heads that by being in the Big Ten, it was somehow a a different, a different nuance to to when, as opposed to playing, you know, in the Big Twelve, where they could go and they had to play against Baylor and they had to play against Texas Tech and they had to, they had to play, you know, these other teams already that were further south to where these these parents could drive up and do all that stuff. You you can catch every single game online for every single team almost in America I mean uh, division two games are 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 cast over the web and in a lot of these these players now and these these families have got that ability with NIL money and whatever else they got going on to go ahead and make those trips and I I see top players leaving the state of Texas all the time to go to Big Ten schools so why does it have to be any different A, a lot of times I'll tell you what I just talked to a kid a wide receiver out of Red Oak he was actually in Austin this last week, he's got a he's got the he's got the uh, connection back to Coach uh, DeMichael, uh who's out of Philly because this kid was originally out of Philly. I think his name's Taz Williams, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of foggy on on the name right now, but he um, he went on to say that he he asked me he's like, well, how far of a drive? Because he knew that I was in Rockwall. He's in Red Oak, just south of Dallas. And I said, oh yeah, I said, I can make it to to Lincoln in nine hours, and he had no idea. That that Nebraska is that close. And I think it's just there's a there's a geographical thing that people just don't understand around, you know, how close I think the North Texas, the Dallas Metroplex is. I mean, Riley Van Poppel is an hour closer to Dallas or to to Lincoln than I am just based on where he's at on the north side. So you're talking eight, eight and a half, you know, typically to kind of get up there from that point. Um, I, I, think that, I think you're going to see Nebraska, you know, continue to knock down the doors. I feel like they, they, that they feel like they have a competitive advantage to come down here and say, you know, we're going to bring you up North. we got these opportunities that, that, that we can do that with. And oh, by the way, as they continue to kind of stockpile Texas talent, they can go back and point to the roster. Cause I think that that's one of the things that, that coach rule is doing. I think that there's a connection here. To former players that are still putting in the good word for for him and his staff about going to Nebraska and going and doing those things, yeah. so I, I think it goes beyond even like his coaching staff. I think it's also, I think it's also like his former players.
0: Yeah, Brian. One other thing I wanted to ask you um, a, cu- a couple weeks ago, we brought up the recruiting rankings for on three, and you guys do a great job of listing out you know, the average distance per recruit. I was surprised with some of those programs in the top 10 and how far those those average recruits are. Yep. And we talk about the 300 and the 500-mile radius here at Lincoln and how it's pretty desolate, has been in the past, been pretty desolate. Yep. Do you think that is as big of a deal this day and age as pre- previous years?
3: Um. I think obviously
0: it, Nebraska hasn't had great success and we're not a destination right now. Sure. But no no, no. I, As I, as we improve.
3: I, I I would agree with what you just said. I think that the the story behind the five hundred mile radius as I as I go back and I think about conversations with Jay Norvell and Sean Watson and Ted Gilmore going back to the Bill Callahan staff. They realized that a school like Texas had this incredible competitive advantage because of the state border, you know, going out 500 miles, you know, north to south and east to west and the populace, obviously, that came with it. And Nebraska simply didn't have that. But they had a tremendous, you know, tremendous tradition, you know, tradition rich school in Lincoln that they just did not have that that kind of thing to kind of go along with it. So you, you you had the the six kids or seven kids every year that you would that you would take from the state. And then what you wanted to do then is you wanted to extend things out and grab those kids and consider Casey and Denver and Chicago and the Dakotas and Minneapolis and all the way down to Norman and Oklahoma City to be kind of in kind of in your backyard and just kind of extend those borders. But and I and I think even without the five hundred mile radius being a thing. Um, I feel like, you know, like, like Tom Osborne understood that too. If if you went back and looked at the nineties teams, I mean, the players, of course, that, 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 that had such a tremendous impact, you know, on those teams, you know, Grant Wistrom, um, you know, is one of the guys in Webb city, Missouri, that kind of just comes right off the top of your head. And you just go, you go, they understood then the importance of course, the, the draw you know, to be to, to go out there and grab those guys from that radius without calling it a 500-mile radius or, or making up a plan much about it. They still considered it like backyard and that they needed to go ahead and pluck those guys out of it because guys weren't always going to be destined to go to KU, Kansas State, Missouri, at least in those days, and they still really aren't. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think I think Nebraska is coming up with a really decent plan. I, I, if I had one thing that I would say so far during this contact period that I felt like was a little bit lacking – I didn't feel like they spent enough time in Kansas City. I don't feel like they spent enough time in Kansas. I don't think they spent enough time in in Colorado and the Dakotas. There's a couple kids in the Dakotas the, the, this next year or two. Um, I Coy, I, I can't remember what his last name is. There's another. There's another big kid that, that the wrestler uh, that, that Nebraska has offered. You got uh, some kids in Minnesota. You got a lot of kids over in Iowa. I don't think you're going to want to reset those states now that there was some improvement from what bush was able to do in kansas city a little bit with getting doss out and you know and and you know you got a guy like williams nawarney who who's actually up in oregon this weekend that that's you know one of the top you know edge rushers in the country you're you're going to want to make that guy a, a huge priority when it comes to your 2023 class 2024 class um so I, I think that I think what they've done so far with trying to knock the door down in Texas is smart. I think they want to. The, I think they want to put everybody on kind of alert. I think they want to let these these kids know that that they're that they're that they're for real. That there's opportunity there, and they're going to recruit them hard. Um, and I think that they've been doing that doing that right. I think it's sustainable more and better in Texas, just because I think that those kids uh, aren't going to. Aren't gonna. They don't have those flaky kind of pockets. I think like they did up in California. Like they do in California and Florida. I I just don't see a lot of Texas kids doing that kind of thing. That behavior was really really odd to me uh, what, and how it impacted that class and a lot of the South Florida players for for Strat Frost.
1: Yeah, I
0: mean well,
3: it. Yeah, go ahead,
1: Drake.
0: No, I was just gonna say. No, I I think that's that's uh that's spot on and that's something that we we've kind of talked about a lot too. Is just as it grows that that radius can get a little bit better
2: let me i larger. know zach you've got you had something else or winding things down but we had a really good follower friend of the friend of the show eric ask 2024 recruiting with quarterbacks specifically raiola right that's 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 everybody's that's everybody's that's, the pipe date to, that's everybody's date to the dance right there but what who are who should Nebraska or who is Nebraska looking at, um you know, maybe two, three and four type of things? Are there some guys that could be difference makers if they came to the school besides riola What do you what do you where, where are you looking on
3: that? You know, I, I think the quarterback position is the one that you you've got to hit the reset button on the most. Um We've not seen we've not seen a lot of quarterback offers go out for 2024. We've seen some 2025. We've even seen a 2026 and even a 2027 offer, which is kind of, <laughs> which is kind of strange. Um, I, I think when you look at the 2024 class, it really is on two guys. Number one is Rayola. And, and I, I get asked, you know, I think it's going to be one. It's the, it's the flavor of the year. You know, let's just go ahead and call it what it is. I mean, I think that uh, for a long time, well, and probably for good reason, Nebraska fans felt like they've had an inside track with Dylan um, because of Dad. And I think that what people have to understand about, at least what I'm getting second and third hand from from good sources that that talk directly to Dom, um, that Dom is a uh, he's an enabler. He's not a he's not a director. He's not going to 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 route his son the way that he wants his son to go. He wants to he wants to put the right tools and put the right opportunities in front of him to allow him to make a decision. And I think that there are people that really misunderstood where I think Nebraska was at the time where, where Dylan originally re, uh, committed to Ohio State because I think it caught a lot of people off guard, number one. We, we saw it all kind of trending there, and, and number two, for people to really understand that Nebraska wasn't even running in second place there, I think is a bit of a, bit of an eye opener. Um, but they, they weren't, they, they weren't number two. It was, it was actually Georgia. Um, and I think Georgia has done obviously some great things in winning the national championship again this year. So they've got back-to-back national championships. They're going to the have a quarterback. The, yes, exactly. The walk-on quarterback Bennett's going to go out there and he's going to, he's going to end up doing something, and it's going to start providing, you know, this legacy coming out of Kirby Smart Shop, you know, out of, out of Athens. But it was great to see Dylan kind of hit hit the decommit, hit the reset. You know, there's a lot of stuff I think that we're flying around between them taking a 2023 quarterback, the rumors every year that, that I think he's going to have to deal with, with Ryan Day and pro ambitions um, that he would have to go ahead and face anyway, that he's going to have to get, find a way to kind of, Accept some of that, because he's going to go be a really high-profile high recruit, go and play for a high-profile uh, uh, school. So that's going to follow him no matter what. Uh, but I think beyond Rayola, the only other guy that I would really tell you right now that people need to get focused on is Daniel Kalen. And I think Kalen is getting lost a lot in the noise. Um, look, I mean, there's... Valve there US
2: Bel- um, Bel- kid, right?
3: Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, actually... Uh, Bellevue, W S, West, right? Bellevue West, that's right. Um, I thought you said W S, and I was like, no, 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 it's not West. Uh, <laughs> um, so Bellevue West, Daniel Kalen, uh, has picked up some really good offers. I think he just picked up an offer from Miami. Um, and there was a, this, there was something going on in the dynamic between he and Verdusco and Scott Frost, and I think it extended back to the summer before his sophomore year, and. Uh, it just, you know, it seemed like there was a rogue offer by Verduzco. I don't think it was ever really, uh, ever really accepted by Scott Frost. There were things that, as I was kind of fed in bits and pieces about how Kalen was kind of, you know, during the recruiting events, uh, some, some weird type of things that potentially, you know, happened, you know, when players get kind of Hosted around and do and, and 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 how they kind of make their trip and how they get out there to the field and stuff like that. But I think that what Rule has done has been to re embrace all the guys that have been previously offered. And I think that he, uh, along with his coaching staff, see the real potential and the talent in a guy like Caleb. And and I don't, and, and, and obviously they are also very much into, um, mm-hmm uh, the in-state recruiting, uh, in-state recruiting, I think to them, I mean, I think they kind of just Babe root that called their shot the first weekend they could host guys. They had all the in-state, all, all the in-state guys were there except for Pyfrom. I think all the guys who had offers, you know, basically from, from 24 and 25 and I think maybe even 26, there might've even been another kid from 26 that was in there that all had offers. And, and Caleb Pyfrom was like the only one that didn't, that wasn't able to show up for, for whatever reason. But, I, I feel like Daniel Kalen gets lost in the noise, doesn't get enough credit, uh, and he is going to be, you know, he's if he doesn't take the opportunity at Nebraska, uh, he's going to be another guy like that we'll be talking about, like Zane Flores, this last year, unfortunately, and have kind of leaves town and, and goes someplace else to play D one football.
2: Hypothetically, if this, I was just going to ask this anyway, and since you brought him up, if this, if this staff would have been here a year. Earlier, right? He doesn't come in fraud, you know, whatever. I know that circumstances wouldn't have created that. Yeah. But if he, if that's, if the staff were here, would Flores be a Husker commit?
3: I, I, I think the the chances are obviously increased. I've heard things about the Flores family, nothing but great things. First of all, but things in terms of. They are, uh, they really wanted their son to be a, a, a person of his word when it came to his commitment. And I appreciate that so much when it comes to instilling values in our, in our kids um, and how they're going to live their life. And you might as well start it out there with the most difficult decision you're going to make at that point in your young life. Um, but all that being said, I don't think the Flores ship ever really got off the ground. I I just don't ever really feel like it was ever truly given it's the right attention, the right, it was never vetted properly. Um, And, and, and I think that, I think when you brought in whip, look, I, I'm going to be the first guy, probably not the last guy to tell you. I I think, I, I think that may go down in history as being one of the, one of the all time worst hires for Nebraska. But I think that what also came along with it was a a very quick way to dismiss where everything was at when it came to in-state players and regional players. I don't think that we'll ever see another year when you got Keinholz and Cole and and, uh, the kid down in Kansas that went to Kansas State. Is it Edwards? Um, Uh, Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson and and also Flores within this 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 four four uh state area you got four guys that are going D1 and Nebraska was nowhere with all of them and they decided to put all their eggs in the basket with another very talented kid in Pop Watson who was 100% linked not to Nebraska but to a, to a coach and then when the coach you know when the head coach gets fired and the wheels are are completely off of it um the chances obviously were becoming less and less that he was ever going to be a Cornhusker to begin with. So, I, I just I, I feel like Zane Flores would have had a much bigger, greater chance to become a Cornhusker had rule been in place a year before. Um, but I, honestly, I, I don't feel like Mickey Joseph, you know, after he had committed, had any chance to reapproach them, and I don't, I'd obviously Matt Rule didn't either, uh, based on just the way that that family functions and, and got to give them props, man. I think that that's, that's fabulous. So that that's the way they're raising their kid.
1: Beautiful. I agree, agree. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the best way to, to put it. I mean, short. Sure, it's, it's just what it is at this point. So, yeah. um, Fitz, I, I don't think I got anything else. Drake Fitz, you guys got anything else
3: for Brian?
0: Nope. I'm good. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much for coming on.
3: Thank you so much for yeah, having me. I'm actually going to be up in the Omaha area, so maybe I might be able to catch you guys out. Um, I'll be up there. I think we're doing our week, our uh, our trip to do the Omaha kids February fifth. And then we'll be in Lincoln on February nineteenth. So we're kind of bracketing the Super Bowl weekend. So if I can catch you guys up there on the fifth or whatever, I'll I'll definitely let you guys. Let's
2: let's figure out. I'm I'm going to speak for myself. I I'll get a beer with you. I don't know if you drink beer or not, but Drake (laughs) will drink a beer. I know Zach will drink a Shirley. Jack Zach will drink a Shirley Temple. So I'm not sure what your flavor is, Brian.
0: I will. I will break the Nebraska Northwestern record for shotguns if Brian comes up. Um, he unfortunately <laughs> doesn't get it. He doesn't get a slam me through a table this year. So can we still do
2: it? No. Can uh, we still do it? Ratings. Uh, well, just look, Drake. Do it for the. Mm. Do it for the team, man.
0: How about next year? I I can't go into the wedding with a broken back, but after the wedding, broken back's fair game
3: there there's a micro brew that my brother was telling me about up there in Omaha that I'm very much looking forward to, to testing out. Um, and then my brother-in-law's stuff is, is up there being distributed too. He's he owns a uh, microbrew place out of North Platte. So
2: okay. what's, whoa, 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 whoa. what's the name of it? Peg leg. Okay. Okay. I've had that's, some peg leg. That's my, that's my thing. I'm, I'm sitting next to my three tap right here in the basement that I've done my own. These guys give me shit, but it's, uh, it's, it's fun. And I, I'm jealous of your brother and I've never even met the guy.
3: <laughs> he does have a pretty killer job. There's no doubt about it, but we look forward to going up there to North Platte and just hanging out at his place. So it's, it's, it doesn't suck when that happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Brian, we'll have to have you back on here with us again. When you come yep. up to Omaha, let us know. We'll try to get together and, uh, Safe for all the boys and everybody else. Thanks
3: for coming on with us tonight, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me.
1: Take care, Brian. Hey, thanks, Brian.
2: Members of the congregation, let's raise our Kool-Aid filled glasses and drink to all the things that were, are, and forever will be Nebraska Cornhuskers. Go
3: Big Red.